You are listening to the weekly podcast of Transformation Life Church in Muskegon, Michigan. We pray you enjoy today's message. Hallelujah. Come on, church. How many want to see his kingdom come? I would, I guess I'll just let Kim know, we need to work on that song. We need to work on that song. You know, side note about praise and worship, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, let's just say the music world is just as messed up as a lot of the preaching that goes on online. It's just like you remove Christ when, when you preach. You remove Him from worship music, and we still call it worship music. There was a lady that was just recently awarded for some great music. I don't even think she's saved. And her music's in the top ten of Christian music. And she's given awards. I I don't even think she's saved. Here's the thing. There is a spirit attached. I don't care what the Word says. I don't care what their words are. I I was looking at some stuff. I'll have to get this. I I can throw it out there later. I'm not going to say it online, but... But this, this lady is singing songs that sounds so good. They decide to give her awards. They decide to recognize her. You go on her Facebook and she gives the finger and tells people to F off. Pardon my French for being frank. There is nothing on her Facebook page that is anything that looks like Jesus Christ. Yet we'll play their music. You know what I'm saying? Say, well, don't, don't become such a straight-line preacher. How about we just have a standard? How about we just raise the standard a little bit? How about we just, you know, when, if there's anything that's ever touched my life, and listen, if you've been around me, you know I am far from perfect. I am not trying to claim to be perfect. But if there's one thing that has caused me to just look at what I'm doing. It is what Bishop Amos prophesied over me standing right there. And when he said God was going to use me to purify the Pentecostal River, I'm like, I don't know that I really deserve that kind of a call. I don't know that I'm qualified for that. But I guess I am. And I'm going to do it. And if we're going to sit here and promote people that want to talk about giving people the finger and talking about things like they're in the bar and then somehow singing Christian music as if somehow character doesn't have to line up with what we say, I just will have to call it out. And 
We won't be doing that in here. I'll guarantee you that. Because if it comes in here, I'll be like, yeah, no, we ain't doing that song. I don't care how good it sounds. I know the author of that song. And we will not promote that. It's a multi-billion dollar industry, by the way. That, that even some of the artists I used to listen to, I won't listen to anymore because they've had interviews like, you know, what do you think about this whole... Uh, they call it bashing of the gays from the Christian community. I, I, I mean, I get it. Some people probably don't know how to express love in a very good way. So there's a struggle. But when the artist comes up and says, well, you know, I have a lot of friends that are that way, and I just, they'll have to read the Bible. I really don't know what the Bible says. You get up in front of tens of thousands of people and sing worship music to a God you have not read His Word and publicly can say, I don't know, I haven't read the Bible, I don't know what the Bible says, and we buy their music. That's not really in my notes, but it's just irritating. It's just irritating. It's irritating that we let people stand up because they got a platform that's been given to them and they don't know how to handle the platform and they don't know who God is and, you know, and so we just, we just support them anyway and make their platform bigger and then we say, I don't understand why everybody's so confused and there's so much division within the church because you give platforms to people who do not know the Scripture, do not know their Bible, and do not know who Jesus Christ is, and we give platforms to them. And we wonder why there's confusion. I was going to say this morning, I, I, I didn't get a chance to greet you, but thank you for being here this morning. So, Pastor Richard, um, I don't know, some people know, you know, uh, Chris Gunn knows who he is, and, and my mom knows him, and you guys probably know him, right? He's an Assembly of God missionary, right? And you go to, where'd you say? Mexico. Well, that's pretty cool because we just connected with a church in Mexico. So maybe we'll have to talk about that. Because we, we've made a new family in Mexico, and, and we're going to do some stuff in Mexico. We're going to go over there and do some stuff. And, and God called that pastor over there to be in a, a revivalist, and we're going to stand behind him and let him be a revivalist. And uh, you know what? Thank you for joining us this morning. I know, I know there's a lot of places you could have been. Hopefully it's not too hot where you're sitting. It gets cooler as you go to the back. I normally don't encourage everybody to move to the back, but I did notice it gets cooler as you go to the back. I don't know why it's hot up here, but. <laughs> but hallelujah. It's, uh, it's good to be here this morning. It's good to have everybody here. And I want to talk, we've been talking about the kingdom of God. Do you know you can get saved and not Step into the kingdom of God? Well, at least one of you know that. When you accept 
Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father but through Him. But when we come into this, this conversion in, in an altar area or, a, or, or an encounter with Christ that causes us to step into this conversion and allowing God to come into our life, a lot of us like to say, I'm now saved and we have salvation, but Jesus said, I don't want to be just your Savior, I want to be your Lord. I want to be your king. And so, when, he, when if we allow, we get saved and then we can step into His kingdom. And His kingdom is not of this world. And His kingdom, however, His kingdom is not of this world, but when He taught His disciples to pray, He said, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. A kingdom and a king has a will. They have a purpose. They have a vision for their kingdom. When, when you elect a politician, because we're a republic, not a democracy, by the way, in case you didn't read, I know they don't teach it in school anymore, so the kids coming up, you just need to talk to them because they don't know because they don't teach it. But we're a republic, we're not a democracy. But when you vote people into positions, they have a position they're running for because they have a vision for what they want to see. What we need to learn is not are you a D or an R or an I, but what is your vision? Because you can hide under any letter you want. Matter of fact, if you're in Eggleston Township, where I'm from, when you go to vote, there's very few, if any, that have an R by their name because nobody in Eggleston Township would ever get elected with an R by their name, so everybody runs under a D. 99% of you go in there, you look, they're all over here. And so now you really, that makes you really have to work because now you really got to figure out what their vision is. What is the reason you want that position? Because everybody in authority has a reason to want to be in authority. But Jesus is the authority, and Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. See, his disciples were confused because they wandered around with him, and they kept saying, free us from Roman rule. And he says, my kingdom is not now. My kingdom is not this my kingdom is not of this world. I'm here for another reason. I'm here to fulfill what God sent me to do so that you could establish my kingdom on this earth. I'm going to do what I have to do, which is to break the bonds of darkness and, the, and take away the authority that Satan got because he stole it from man. I'm going to take it back and I'm going to give it to you because now I'm going to teach you my kingdom so you can establish my kingdom in this earth. But my kingdom is not of this world. So my principles and my patterns and my ways of establishing my kingdom won't line up with the things that you know in the natural. Although things in the natural parallel things of the Spirit, you have to get wisdom to move it from the natural 
to the Spirit to establish kingdom. And, and we are to walk in kingdom mindset. You can't, you can't even step into kingdom till you step into the Word of God. Which, okay, so before it gets said, I'm just going to say it. This morning I walked out of my house. Vicki and I always ride separate. Not because we're going to kill each other on the way here, but we just never know our schedules. Well, if I was driving, it might be the other. But she won't let me drive. So it's safe that we come to, you know. So, whole other story. I'm getting better, though, because I learned about brake lights. So now I know what brake lights are. So we're good. But so this morning I walked out and I said, I said, well, we're leaving at the same time. We might as well just ride together and, and, and look like we're married, you know. And, uh, and so we got in the vehicle together. I said, well, let me just think about, is there anything in my truck I need? Well, I was here last night and studying and stuff. And so my Bible's in the truck. So I'm preaching without my Bible. But don't, don't you know, don't go out there and just say, well, he don't, he don't even use a Bible. I don't have my Bible. And my Bible has notes in it. And my Bible has pages that when I open them, I know what I'm looking at because there's stuff on them. And so when I'm looking for a scripture, I can open it and go, here it is. And if somebody else hands me their Bible, I could look at the same exact chapter forever trying to find that verse that's right in front of me. But I don't see it because it's just not my Bible. You know what I mean? I mean, a long time ago, I used to say, you know, we're, we're supposed to say my Bible because if you don't call it my Bible and you call it the Bible, you probably call it the Bible because it sits on the end table somewhere and collects dust and it hasn't come into you yet, so it hasn't become my Bible. So how many of you have what you would call my Bible? Not the Bible, but my Bible. It's mine. I read it. And uh, phones are good. Phones are good. Although my pastor said, get out of the phone and get back into the pages of the Bible. Because you know what? When, when, when you get into the phone, you, you, just, you just get so used to technology. But when you open the pages and read, God can speak to you and move around and you can write. Now, if you're too holy for this, that's another story. But, but you can actually write in your Bible. You know what I mean? You can put notes in there what God is telling you while you're reading this thing, right? Now, maybe you can do that in the electronic version, but I'm too old to know how that works, and I haven't figured it out yet. So, But writing in your Bible is a good thing. But kingdom, if I was to say to you today, you need rain in your life, so you can reign in your life, but you can't reign in your life without reign in your life. Would you know what I'm talking about? You do. You need reign in your life so you can reign in life, but without reign in your life, you can't reign in life. Now, I, I didn't talk to Becca, but I got some slides up there. But don't throw them up yet. Rain. Rain 
this is my message. Rain, rain, rain. To reign with Him. David said in Psalms 144, and I've been talking about this, teach my hands to war. Well, what is the point of learning to war if we have no purpose for the war? When people go to war, they have a reason they go to war. We need a reason to go to war. That reason to go to war, first off, we got a war in our own lives, then war for the lives around us, and then war for the community that's around us, even a greater war. And we war to establish kingdom. We war so that the reign of Christ is evident on this earth. So we have a reason to war. And I said this on last week where Spurgeon wrote of the danger of using some weapons without adequate training. A danger in both the natural and spiritual realm. Untrained force is often an injury to man who possesses it and it even becomes a danger to those who are around about him. And so therefore the psalmist blessed the Lord as much for teaching as for strength. Now, our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but are mighty to God to the destroying or pulling down of strongholds, 2 Corinthians 10, 4. Now, it just happens to be, uh, I was watching the Wednesday night service of my pastor because I watch his services so that I stay in fellowship with the direction of God. And what I find interesting is that he said this. He posed a great question, and I'm going to use it. Because what he said is, what's the difference between teaching and training? I found it interesting that he's talking about something I've been preaching about. And I thought, well, that's really, that's really cool. You know, when the general of the faith kind of touches on what you're preaching about, you start thinking you might have an idea of what God's saying because, you know, maybe, just maybe, there's a chance that I am hearing from God. And so, what is the difference between teaching and training? David said, train. Teach my hands to war, but the actual translation is train, not teach. What is the difference between teaching and training? See, we can come in here all day long and teach. And you have no commitment or connection if you don't want it. You can go to school and have a teacher teach you. And you can fail all day long. And you can just say, well, I don't really care about math. I don't care about English. I don't, care. I don't really know why I'm here. And you've got somebody in front of you teaching you, and you learn nothing. There is no correlation between teaching and what you learn unless you apply yourself. And when you start to apply yourself to the teaching, you now step into what's called training. 
when you step from teaching to training, there is something added. It is something we don't like, but it is a reality. The thing that's added is called consequences. Because once you step from teaching to training, that means you've bought into what you're being taught and, you've, and you desire to get somewhere. And so then when the teaching is going on, that becomes training and you decide not to follow the training, you have consequences. I want to graduate high school but if I don't let the teacher train me, if I don't move from them just teaching where I'm not attached, not committed, not involved, then you may not graduate high school. But then when you say, I want to be trained and I want to graduate high school and I'm committed and now you're in a, in a form of training and then the training person says do this and you don't do it, there's consequences for not doing it. The difference between teaching and training is there's consequences. If parents would move from teaching to training their children, they, would, they can't do it unless they add consequences. I know today we don't like to add consequences because then they're not our friends. They're not your friends anyway. They're your children. And they have been given to you, and you are a steward of what God has given you, and so therefore they are God's and they have been given to you and you have an obligation to train them. You know, it's, it's interesting because back in the day, you, the stuff that goes on today with kids would have never went on back then. Like when, I had, like when we had kids, even back then, and that wasn't that long ago because I'm still young. And, it, and, and when we had kids and they were acting up, you know, you just dealt with it. And you said, no, you don't act this way in the house of God. No, you don't say that. No. Matter of fact, I'll never forget, and Vicki loves to tell the story more than I do, but I'll never forget the time our son was acting up and she picked him up. I was an armor bearer standing by my pastor, and she picked him up and started going out the door, and he's screaming, no, not the bathroom. Now, my daughters, they were perfect. We never had to do anything with them. They're in the room, so I thought I'd throw that in there. But we were training them. We weren't just teaching. We were training. It was more serious than that. But I want to talk to you about rain, rain, in rain. Rain, the, put the first rain up there, R-A-I-N, rain, water, the rain that we had the last couple days. Thank God we needed rain. Grass looks a little better. Rain. 
rain, I think it says it's a verb, it's the precipitant of water, something like that, I can't see it. Rain is necessary for growth and sustenance of life. John 4.14 says, But whoever drinks of this water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water that springs up into eternal life. Rain comes down and it becomes a substance for our life. Rain is life-giving. Rain is purification. Rain is refreshing. Rain has got promises to it. There's all kinds of things in the Bible we can learn about rain. The former and the latter rain. The Bible talks about the former and the latter rain. And I'm looking forward to that. And I think we're getting close to that right now where we're beginning to see the rain of God as He pours out His presence across this earth. And we just want to be in the middle of what God's doing. There's rain and in, a, in rain there's abundance. Rain is a good thing. Jesus makes this comment in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I've quoted this. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Now, we know that verse, right? Everybody knows that verse? Following that verse, and actually, that's verse 45, and following the second half of 45, it says this, For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. I still kind of find it odd that Christians would whine and complain that sometimes the unjust is prosperous in this world. Maybe you ought to just stand on the principle that God says He'll take the wealth of the wicked and store it up for the righteous. Say, God, I thank You that Your reign reigns on the unjust and the just. And that when they follow your principles, whether they know they're your principles or not, they reap the benefits of your principle and your reign reigns on them. Now, reign in that respect, when we have the reign of God that comes down and brings refreshing and we get to know God's goodness and it reigns His mercy and it reigns His his, his grace on us, it rains on us, and it strengthens us, and it reveals to us who it is, and it rains His presence down on us, and it puts us into a place where we begin to talk about maybe there's something about reigning and ruling on this earth for God. And so we move from the reigning of God in His presence and His reign and His mercy and His grace to saying God is good. And His mercy endures forever. God is good. Right? God is faithful. God is. And so because I all of a sudden have come to a realization because of the reigning of God in my life that who God is, it gives me the strength to now stand in a conviction to say that I want to walk in His kingdom 
not just in this world. But he's called us to reign with him. And so now we've got to move to the other reigning that takes place. And some of us will even shout and jump when we talk about this reigning. How many would shout? Not very many shouting about the reign of God. Not very many shouting about God ruling and reigning. Not very many shouting about the fact that His kingdom comes and His will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not very many of you shouting right now, and that's because there's one thing, that until you let Him reign in your life, you won't reign on this earth. Because there's things that have to take place. But Romans 5.17 says this, For by one man's offense, who would that be? Death reigned by one. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. If you have made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you have received His abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that Romans 5.17 talks about. Last week I read the scripture about Jesus coming and one of the reasons that we have to learn to let God teach us how to war was because this is a training ground for eternity. We will not spend eternity on a cloud like Cupid. We're not going to float around. God has a kingdom. His kingdom will still exist when He comes back to this earth. And it talks about Him coming back on this white horse and we're following Him as the believers. And so He's training us to rule and to reign. And we have a domain. We've been given the commandment, if you will. It was a commandment in Genesis to Adam and Eve, to Adam, to take dominion. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a commandment. It wasn't if you feel like taking dominion, you might want to think about taking dominion. You may want to consider that there might be somebody on this earth that really doesn't want the things to be the way I want them to be. And so you may want to just think about taking dominion. That's not what God said. He just said, you take dominion dominion and subdue it wasn't a debate it was a clear command then jesus shows up takes back the authority goes up into heaven but before he goes into heaven he says to his disciples i give you all authority i give you my authority i delegate it to you I've been given all authority over under heaven and earth, and I give it to you. And so there's this process of ruling and reigning. But we have to rule our own domain first. And then we can step up. But there's this other word, reigning, that I want to touch on. Your Bible talks about this word, R-E-I-N, 
I-N-G, reigning. There are references to reigning in your Bible. How many have ever read this? How many have ever thought about this? Reigning. Job 16.13. Job, his archers compass me round about. He cleaveth my reins asunder and doth not spare. Psalm 7.9. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end but establish the just, for the righteous God treadeth the hearts and reigns. That reign is R-E-I-N-S, not R-E-I-G-N-S. Reigns. When you read these Scriptures, your mind would think one word, but really, it's another. Psalms 26.2 Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. Psalms 139, For thou hast possessed my reins, and thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Isaiah 11.5 And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. R-E-I-N-S. Reins. The word reins in the Bible, when you look at the Greek or the Hebrew, it talks about like your kidneys or your internals. say, well, that's a little weird. I thought God dealt with the heart. Reigns, the kidneys. Another way that it's looked at is the supposed seat of the desires and affections. For your heart, the reins, the desires of your heart. I I believe in deliverance, but sometimes I believe just as much in discipline as I do deliverance. Because we have this fallen nature. Our desires and our affections under a fallen nature are tainted by sin. Your Bible says that the heart above all things is deceitful. Can I warn you that just because it feels good doesn't mean it is good. And we live in a society today that says, you do you and I'll do me. Tell me how well that goes when your neighbor says, I like your car, I'm going to do me and take it. 
See, we've created these double standards because they sound good, so we walk in them. And can I say this? The body of Christ sports the t-shirt as much as the world does. You do you, I'll do me. If it feels good, you should do it. I can't help it. I had to say it. These are things that we say in the body of Christ. I know. And then we can go to the Bible. Well, the prophet said it shot up like fire in my bone. Okay, well, take what you say to the Word of God and see if it lines up with the Word of God. And if it does, maybe you should have said it. But there's still a possibility that maybe you shouldn't have said it. But because we don't have any reins in our life, but we want to reign, we reign out of an emotion that has no subjectivity to the reins of God in our lips. The horse had a bit in it, and the reins were attached to the bit, and the horse was directed by the rider. We say we're full of the Holy Ghost, but there's no direction by the Holy Ghost. It's more about emotion. Well, how do you say that? I say that because you come into a service and you come up here and you worship and you feel great and you walk out of here and the very next day you're doing the same stuff you were doing before you were in the altar. That means you had an emotional experience and we didn't let God put a rain on our life. And we justify it by talking about worship. It's all about worship. It's all about, no, it's all about emotion. I love worship. I love worship. I think there should be an altar. But listen, he gave us apostles and prophets, pastors and teachers and evangelists for the perfecting of the saints. So don't get mad at me when I'm trying to tell you to grow up. Don't, don't get upset when I'm trying to train you, not just teach you. When there becomes a sense in you. Listen, you don't know how many times things have come to my mind and I don't do it. You have no idea how many times. You don't have how many times in a Sunday morning service. You don't know how many times I walk by somebody and I know something and I want to lay hands on them and let God lay them out because I know some stuff. And I'm like, nope, that's not the Holy Ghost. That's just my emotion. And I want to see something fixed, but I can't fix it. The Holy Ghost has to, so I don't do it. There has to be a restraining of our emotions so we can learn to reign, but you can't reign with Christ unless we have the reign of Christ on us. Sometimes I wish I could just preach something good like, you know, God's going to give you everything you want.
many times. We have authority. We have the ability to take dominion. We are in control. And we don't want God to control us unless it's a reason for us being lazy. Because then we'll say, well, I'm just leaving that up to God. If, if we're supposed to do something and we don't want to do it, we just say, well, I'm leaving that one to God. And then when we see somebody living the way they shouldn't be living, all of a sudden we are God. Romans 5.17 doesn't say Jesus Christ will reign through you. It says, they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one with Christ. He's not doing the reigning by himself. You are reigning with him. I believe there's coming a great move of God. I believe Muskegon will see the greatest salvations it's ever seen. I believe that the kingdom of God is going to be established. I believe the word of God that said he would not only dwell in this or come to this place, but he would make a dwelling in this place. That people will come from all around to get into the presence of God, a dwelling place. That's why I like to call it a tabernacle, not a sanctuary. I, I get it. I get it. I had an individual say, well, it's a sanctuary for some and a tabernacle for others. That's really probably pretty accurate because some people need a sanctuary. But I'm telling you, I'm looking to raise up an army. That army doesn't need a place to hide out. That army needs a place to tabernacle. That army needs a place to dwell with the commander-in-chief. That army needs a place to come together where it gets its plans from the throne room of heaven. That army needs a tabernacle. Because we ain't about to hide out. You, you know, you. They started building these buildings all over the place, right? Beautification process. If they would have gave as much grant money to the failing restaurants around here as they gave to them to put up a marijuana joint, we'd have some restaurants left. But you know. You're going to have to close down your marijuana joint during 2020 because COVID obviously doesn't even like the smell of that stuff any more than we do. Okay, well, I'm going in there. I'm just trying to figure out why they didn't have to close. I'm assuming that's it, right? I mean, you can smell it all the way down at uh, Laketon Avenue. So I'm assuming, you know, apparently they understood COVID wasn't going to go in there because it smelled too bad, so you were safe to be there. Not in church, though. Don't go to church. Because in church, there's not that smell. There's a sweet smell. It apparently attracts COVID. But I said then, let them build them. 
because they'll be closed and the body of Christ can start taking the buildings and thank you that they look better than they did before and some of these run-down places are looking so much better now than they ever did and I'm thinking to myself, well, when they close, can I tell you that most of the marijuana joints in our town are financially strapped and broke and some of them are even up for sale because they don't know what they're going to do? Can I just tell you that some of them are about ready to close their doors because they're going broke and if we would just get more saved, they'd go broke even quicker. Maybe that's all it has to be. Stop getting mad about that and just say, yep, you can have it for a season, but God is about to reign. God is about to reign, and we're about to establish kingdom. And when we start establishing kingdom, I hate to say it, but you either going to get right or you're going to get left. And when you get left, you ain't going to have a building because you can't afford it because nobody's going to buy the stuff because they're going to know the high in the Spirit of God is far greater than the high you're selling. I just... I just celebrate. Listen, I just was talking to the township the other day, and they were telling me how much they're struggling, how much these places are struggling, and they can't stay afloat, and they're going broke. And I'm like, well, that's just so interesting. Just so interesting. But my Bible, saw, my Bible says... In Psalms 81.10, and how many can quote it? I've been quoting it since 2020, so we're going on three years. I would think somebody around here would look up Psalms 81.10, write it down, start memorizing it so you can quote it. Open up your mouth with a mighty decree. How about instead of getting frustrated... We just get Holy Ghost filled, open up our mouth with a mighty decree. The words that you speak, so shall they be. That's God telling us, open up your mouth with a mighty decree. The words that you speak, so shall they be. Oh, I know there's a word of faith, people that love that, and then there's people that aren't word of faith that say, oh, you're naming it and claiming it. No, I'm quoting Scripture. I'm quoting Scripture. I'm not driving around looking at my neighbor's car saying, that Buick will be mine. I'm not doing that. I'm quoting Scripture. I'm saying, God, you've got a kingdom to establish in this area. I'm going to Rein in what I say and what I think. I'm going to let you put a bit in me. I'm going to let you put some reins on me. I'm going to let you ride on me with the Holy Ghost. And I'm no longer going to be in charge. But I'm going to let you turn me to the left and to the right. I'm going to let you have the reins, oh God, of my deep desires and my affections. I'm going to let you have the reins, oh God, that I might be found worthy to rule and reign with you on high. How many would rather rule and reign on high than sit down here? Listen, he said, come up. Come up. Come up here. I've got a seat for you in heavenly places. I've got a place you can sit. Why do we keep... 
hanging out down here in our thought processes, why do, we, why do our actions reflect the culture we're in instead of the kingdom we're supposed to be a part of? Well, I don't know how God's going to do that. Great. Perfect. About time you stopped trying to figure it out and just was obedient. I don't know how he's going to do some stuff either. But my pastor's made it very clear we serve a God that's an if and then God. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then, then I will. Then, if you, then I. If you, then I. There is a condition. And you know what he has said, and I believe it, and I have been living this way for a while, and I'm trying to live even more that way. It's this. It's like he can only bless me to the point of my last step of obedience. Stop asking for blessings that go beyond our obedience. They're not coming. If you get blessed when you're being disobedient, trust me, it's not from God. Well, when I moved in with her, I was blessed. Now things are falling apart. You weren't blessed by God when you moved in. That was just God. That was just Satan letting you feel good about it. And now all of a sudden you're reaping the rewards. Listen, there has to come a time when we make choices based upon the kingship of Jesus Christ, the lordship of Jesus in our life. Not whether it feels good, not whether it looks good, not whether any of that other stuff, not whether my friends agree with it. I half wonder because my pastor says this all the time too. He said it is very possible and probably probable that you would shrink in quantity and increase in effectiveness. I, I don't think we need to lose anybody here. We ain't got that many. But I'm just saying... Just because your friends think you're being a little crazy, a little radical, a little sold out. Oh, what do you mean? You, you won't do this? Why won't you do that? It's okay. I said all that to say this. This week, I want you to really ask God to take the reins of your life. Take the reins of your life. Because can I tell you from what I see, what he has in store is far greater than anything you could ever plan for yourself. And if you would let him have the reins, the things that you look at and say, I don't know how that would work, will turn out to be a greater blessing in your life than what you were thinking was what you should have done. 
I'm going to open up these altars this morning because I believe in the altar. This is where God starts the process of grabbing the reins of your life. And can I tell you that this is where you start the process of being able to walk in the kingdom of God with true reigning authority. And God's about to flip everything. I'm telling you, He's about to flip everything. We're about to see a great flipping that's going to take place in this world. I'm telling you that that, listen, sometimes we just look around and we see all the darkness going on. And all I know is this. The Bible says where there is great darkness, the light shines that much greater. And so for the light to be that much greater, we've got to give God the reins in our life because he's asking us to walk in kingdom authority and to walk and reign in our domain. Take dominion. Take dominion. And that which looks like darkness will be dissipating in the glorious light of God. And that when you think you can't have this or you won't have that or you can't afford this because you know, gas prices are high and food prices are high and this is this and that is that and all this is going on. In the middle of all that, when you give God the reins of your life, you're going to find, listen, there was a man who just gave his testimony. I'll share this one last thing. A great man of God, been serving God for a long time, had a job, had a company, and was an elder in his church, and all of a sudden, he lost his job, his company was sued, and he came down with cancer. Can I tell you, a few weeks after that happened, because he never moved, he never wavered, he never wavered, he stood in the kingdom principles he had been building his life on, he is cancer free today. And God gave him a creative idea that will make him more money than his company was and his job was put together. He is walking above everything that was brought in to bring destruction. And when we walk in kingdom authority, we aren't moved by what we see. We're not moved by what comes in our life. We are moved by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are moved by the reins that He's got. And we can move around things and in things and through things with His control. And we will reign on this earth. And we'll be prepared to reign and rule with Him for the millennial when that time comes. Come on, this is a training ground. If you want to walk in that, confidence, tenacity, conviction, you know, I, I get it. We go through things. But God, I want. I don't know about you, but I just say, God, I want the faith, the conviction. I want you so much in me that no matter what it looks like, 
I'm not moved. I don't change. I don't waver. I don't cry about what the world's bringing into my life. That's me. I'm just saying what I cry for. I'm just telling you what I'm asking God for. I want to stand in front of people with full conviction. I'm not preaching up here something I don't believe. I'm not lying to you hoping someday to walk it and believe it. I'm telling you what I'm asking God to have me walk in. And He's been walking me through this. And He's been telling me you've got to get to a place when your business struggles, don't care. When we go months without getting paid, we don't care. We keep going. Because I'm steadfast. And I know who's got the reins over my life. And I know who's directing me. And maybe I just made a wrong turn before. And that's why I'm where I'm at. Or maybe it's just a trial and a tribulation that can sometimes come in the form of a storm which has rain in it. You didn't hear what I just said. And maybe I just got to learn to walk through it. But whatever it is, if you want that steadfastness in you, God, I believe the anointing of God is right here in this place to put in you an immovable faith, an immovable conviction, to put in you the ability to stand with Him having the reins of your life. And if you want that this morning, I'm opening these altars up for you to have that. Meet God this morning and let Him get His hands on the reins of your life. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.